0: You're listening to TWN Champions, episode 37. Champions, arrive! Welcome to the Champions Countdown Podcast, where we summon heroes from across space and time to populate our intergalactic museum or something like that. This is episode 37. I'm Will, and puttering around the inside of a forgotten oil lamp is Rebecca.
1: <laughs> I will grant thee dishes three.
0: <laughs> I love how you're a witch in there, also. <laughs>
1: And I said dishes, not wishes. Don't be <laughs> surprised when you get a china pattern you weren't expecting.
0: Well, the dishes reminds me. Uh, looks like it's at least another year in this house before we win our Vax-a-Millions.
1: Oh well, we still have like three more drawings.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, okay, now Will is not as read up on the Vax a Million as I am, but I'm going to let you all Rebecca know. Rebecca keeps
0: announcing that she's going to be a Vax a Millionaire.
1: <laughs> yes, I am. So we live in Ohio. This is not a secret, nor is it, uh, is it a, so- source a source of, of a- shame. I was going to say that. Se- <laughs> nor is it a secret shame. It's good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So we, we live in Ohio. And Ohio was the first state to do an uh, incentivizing draw from the lottery. And we, mm-hmm. we, have, we will have five drawings. They've done two of them. I still have three chances to be a vaccin millionaire. <laughs> and all you got to do is get vaccinated and then enter.
0: And probably higher than three more chances because you did... Put on a mustache and beard, and kept putting in.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did, and I, I, you did, you did also enter. Right? Yeah, I did, I did. Yeah. Okay, so he did. So that's that's two, like two in. Four million. We got a great chance, is what I'm saying. Yeah, we didn't
0: discuss whether we share if one of us wins.
1: I guess we'll have to, because they're going to publicize your name, and Uh then so who else will you turn to? Because like, at least you know that you can trust me from when we didn't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) Or he might upgrade to a fancy new Ohio (laughs) wife. Um, another thing, though, I didn't even tell you about this. I'll just tell you news from our lives on the show. So Kroger, the grocery store that I most frequently shop at Mm -hmm. slash live at slash love slash live the lifestyle of. Uh, Has just announced their plans to do a vaccine incentivizing lottery draw Uh as well, so I could be a vaccine millionaire through Kroger.
0: Oh, that's interesting. And Uh, judging it by the ratio of people that wear masks, sounds like a good idea. I
1: know, right? Because what we're we're fifty fifty with masking at at any given Kroger at any given moment. And I mean, I just I don't know what the odds are, but I think they're good, and it's definitely going to go in my favor, is what I'm saying. Also, did you know you can win a year's worth of groceries? That's oh. another prize you could get in the Kroger Vax a Millionaire sweepstakes. And I'm just saying that I have a good feeling that I'm definitely going to be a millionaire. All
0: right. Well, What are we actually going to talk about today?
1: We're counting down our personal favorite takes on the genie archetype. I have four. Will has four. It's a top eight.
0: Now I did feel like the vax-a-millions was related. Oh, did you like pick a, up on that? You make a wish. Yeah,
1: there you go. You yeah. wish. See? You know, you wish. I to did be a okay on
0: that. Yeah. No, Here that, we go. that
1: that is very. Cl- oh, see, that's just so funny because I just didn't even think there was any luck involved. I'm just like, no, it is my destiny. <laughs> I am going to be a Vaxamillionaire.
0: Uh, so what do we know about genies? Where do they come from? Are they ghosts?
1: Okay, now they are supernatural creatures, but they are not ghosts. And they're not even evil necessarily. Uh-huh. This is like, this, the one reason why I wanted to do the genie show was because I actually wanted to kind of get my arms around the lore. Because I, uh-huh. I, I had a, a, a sense of it. I knew that they came from um, Arabic folklore, but I was like, what's the deal with that? So here's the deal with genies, okay? So they're not angels. They're not demons. They're not ghosts. They're not innately good or evil. They actually date back to pre-Islamic Arabian cultures, and some scholars say that they're from pre-Islamic pagan culture. Uh-huh. What's really interesting, and what I did not know until I started doing this research for our show today, is that they actually got integrated into Islamic mythology and theology. And um, interestingly enough, jinn, which were the sources of the genie archetype that we have today, jinn were actually mentioned in the Quran. Uh-huh. Which I did not know until yeah, I, we started doing this. Yeah, yeah, when
0: I was looking that up, that was surprising to me too. I didn't realize that. So, it was it right that they described like the creation of like three types of beings, like like humans, uh, angels, and and jinn. Was that right?
1: Uh, yes, uh, something to that effect. And I'm sorry if, if we misspeak about Islam. Please, you know, I please don't be too hard on us for our Wikipedia knowledge of, of jinn and, and the different. Beings described because it also seems very difficult from the different translations of of how the origins of specific things were described. But jinn, according to the different translations, were created out of either smokeless fire or Uh a scorching fire. Okay, and I think it was that angels were made out of light, you know. So so it's like, right, so they're they were all creatures made by Allah, but they were made from different sources, right? Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about jinn is that. Um, the original ones in, in this early mythology, they can like interact with humans, marry among humans, but then they sort of have some powers, which is they can shape shift, they can travel large distances, and then they, they sort of exist to bedevil humans, even if they're not evil, right? Uh-huh. Although it is also worth mentioning that um, Iblis... Who is the uh, Islamic analog for Satan uh-huh. was a jinn in, oh, in in their oh. in their version of the story. He was not a fallen angel like in the Christian theology. Um, he was a jinn.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and he's one of uh, several jinn who make appearances in the Quran, and. Uh, they don't have the same sort of powers that we read about when we get to the westernized version of the genie. Right. But it's definitely the same sort of trickster energy. Okay, that's it's, well, it's, yeah, that's yeah. I,
0: I know I picked up on the trickster connection, too. They're sort of, like, disruptive to humanity. In a, in yeah,
1: to disruptive, and then, of course, they also sort of teach to, or, or exist to teach lessons. yeah, there, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of power interplay in these tales, right?
0: Is that because of all the wish-related stories
1: so, okay, I, I know that the wish-related stories existed in mythology. The place where they really come out and uh, sort of crystallized in popular imagination is "A Thousand and One Nights," uh-huh. which we in, in the Western, which we in Western culture translated to, you know, "Arabian Nights." Uh-huh. Um, they're like, around here we just call them nights. <sighs> but anyway, no. Um, so. Those were compiled between the 8th and 14th centuries, and um, this is where we start to get the the wish thing, because I think the story of Aladdin in the lamp was yeah. kind of the first one where the genies were involved with making a wish.
0: I also saw there was another story in that um, collection of stories that was sort of similar where King Solomon wanted a genie to... Uh, profess his faith in God and it wouldn't so he bottled it up and put his seal on the stopper and some fishermen fished the genie out uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. I like when um there's mentions of like King Solomon being like a magician or something. I yeah. love those kinds of stories.
1: Yeah, and and that one dates back even way further cuz that story in particular dates back as like century 1, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> CE. One,
0: it's our first one. First, <laughs> it's year.
1: first year. First year, <laughs> to a be good start. Good one. But yeah, no, it's it's really fascinating how all of the different elements that we come to recognize as like in a genie story, they all kind of come from different different places and a lot of these stories i guess it's also worth mentioning were passed down in the oral tradition and they Mm -hmm. weren't committed to writing until a bit later well
0: that would make sense because uh from what i was reading also whether you're talking about jen from uh folklore or religion they seem to be like um an explanation for all sorts of like phenomenon that would happen like whether people have seizures or that feeling where you know you say like there's a witch on your chest you know when you're sort of like a half-sleep paralysis and things like that too so
1: yeah i was um,
0: there were a broad explanation for like supernatural occurrences in a lot of places
1: yeah it's 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 similar i think in the same way that maybe uh in in early ireland or celtic lore like the fae are Uh responsible for a lot of oh yeah that's a, a a lot of uh Maladies that befall humans. I think jinn sort of fulfill a similar role.
0: Well, I, I thought this was interesting. I saw a survey that the Pew Research Center did in 2012, as, as recent as that, that at least 86% of uh, Muslims in Morocco, 84% in Bangladesh, 63% in Turkey, 55% in Iraq, 53% in Indonesia, and 47% in Thailand uh, believe in the existence of jinn still. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. I mean, I mean, you could think about analogs in different places where you believe in, um, you know, uh, I say superhuman or extra yeah, or, human type
1: or, or anything supernatural yeah. even like I mean I'm sure there are a lot of Christian identified people but it's in just the not US. even a
0: question you would a- ask yourself here about the existence of Jin right. so it's just fascinating
1: you know but like I think uh, an analog would be like there are plenty of even Christian identified people who were like oh I believe in ghosts yeah that's
0: a very common you know thing. what I mean yeah like or, in- you know, a lot of people say well I believe something something yeah. and that's that could be you know the same thing
1: and that is interesting like in in I'll, I'll talk here in a second about how Jin became genies because uh-huh. like, you know, when we think of genies, we really are in this show going to be talking about the Westernized tropes because I mean, obviously that's what we're familiar with and we're, we're you know, we're not going to stop talking about transformers, you <laughs> know, just, <laughs> we're not going to go into the deep cuts of, of like oh, Turkish folklore that we're not
0: transformer genie. <laughs>
1: I'm, i'd be shocked if there weren't but if you can't think of oh one, maybe there's, there's got to be
0: one when there's some sort of like block and you know, like a hologram came out and would grant which is like i've been programmed to bestow three
1: <laughs> i am honestly shocked the transformers never did a genie episode oh
0: they would have
1: <laughs> they would have they would have thought about it but anyway that may, i mean I'm, I'm just saying for our purposes um and especially as civilization marched on we really did sort of, uh, Western culture really did embrace the idea of the genie. And this came from the 1706 first English language edition of Arabian Nights, or 1001 Nights. And this is a long time ago, too. So, like, the 1700s is still quite a long time ago. In fact, it's such a long time ago that I think it's safe to say that most of the major storytellers in... The Victorian era, era and beyond, and um, you know, like we're talking about people like Voltaire and like Longfellow and Alfred Lord Tennyson, and like all those dudes were influenced by the Thousand and One Nights mm-hmm. tales. Flipping it into the modern term, like the or the modern term of genie as we know it. It is worth mentioning that a lot of people make the argument that the way that we use it in Western culture is sort of part of the strain of Orientalism. Uh Um, You know, because it's a lazy shorthand for a lot of writers, especially we're talking about like mid-century TV writers where they're like, we need a lamp to have magical powers. Where could they be from? And the answer is either Asian mystical powers or, you know, here it is a genie from Arabian Uh magic. It's one of those magic peoples. And that is ultimately a harmful trope that has uh, stood the test of time in a lot of different places I would say that it's probably less of an issue now, since people aren't just seeing the white Western male canon, right? Like, we, we're living in a world where storytellers from all over the world are participating in telling these tales anew. And um, it's not like our only knowledge of, of these, uh, I'm not, like, I'm not saying that Orientalist tropes aren't deployed to this day obviously they still are but i just i don't think that's as simple as that when it comes to the genie right Mm -hmm. um and also it just dates back for such a long time that it's just hard to really even tell where one thing ends and the other thing begins because i you could almost make the argument that a genie is something different from the djinn that actually came from um arabic folklore but anyway, I mean... Yeah, it's interesting
0: know. to see how, how we're using it in modern times, too, because I was surprised to read that in modern Middle Eastern horror movies, Jin are frequently the choice of monster. Okay,
1: well, which is cool, right? Yeah,
0: I thought, uh, and and especially in Turkish horror, it, it started taking off around 2004 for some reason. So I okay. thought it was interesting. So
1: yeah, there was like a real revisitation of the trope. And like I said, like it, it is good that we're living in a global sort of uh, cultural economy now to where we don't have to rely on just a couple of old tired narrators telling the same <laughs> old tired tales right
0: well but you know sort of leaning leaning into get, getting uh to our picks I, I thought it was interesting that when we were uh, trying to figure out what our picks would be i even tried to sort of figure like can i pick more of like a gin than a genie for some of these it's pretty hard uh especially like with the uh the cultural touchstones that we have access to, it's really hard to find an example that's not a genie. Right. It's very hard.
1: And then... And there's
0: nothing wrong with them. It's um, It's just so ubiquitous here and it's so rare to find a jin story,
1: right? And yeah, and like genie is basically a character type that we play with that almost bears no resemblance anymore to its its origins, which it's is almost not specifically
0: to say, like a wish granting yeah. ghost in a lamp.
1: Yeah, a wish granting ghost in a lamp, which I I think is probably preferable because you know I we're very much as a culture more sensitive about cultural appropriation these days, and I don't think it would be appropriate for. <sighs> You know, uh, let's just say Neil Gaiman to be like this is a story about Jin. I am an expert, uh-huh. and I think people would give him crap about that. Um, although apparently, technically, there was a genie character in American Gods, very, very small role. Right. But again, I think it's it's not quite the same thing. Like I do feel that we ha- we there are people with the cultural authority to tell Jin stories, uh-huh. right? And I, I feel like a genie is now just kind of its own tacky fun thing yes and and, <laughs> and they will
0: they will comprise most of our list <laughs> yes yes. okay so who is going to be your first genie on the list number eight hi peewee are you ready to make today's wish mm, no but i'll take a prediction all right i predict we'll be back right after
1: this all right, I'm going to get it over with early, because y'all know I can't be talking about genies without mentioning my boy Jombie, mecca lecca High, mecca ho from 1986's Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a, a really formative good formative text for many of us, and very much for me, but okay, we got to talk about Jombie, so I'm going to get him out of the way first. Not because he's not great, but because, you know, we have other genies to discuss, Basically, let's just let's just talk a little bit about Jombie. Mecca Hiney Ho. Mecca Leka High Mecca Ho. He was one of the many delightful characters on Pee-Wee's Playhouse, which I watched religiously as a child and probably love even more as a as an adult, and whose aesthetic still informs my life because my whole Animal Crossing <laughs> Island is completely inspired by Pee-Wee's yard in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Like, and that's also just kind of how I want to live my life in real life. So anyway, just very, it's it's, it's a great wacky aesthetic because it's a little bit retro futurism. Yeah. It's very campy. It's also just really cartoonish and fun and big. And it's just a delight to look at. Okay. And one of our many characters in the playhouse was Jombie, played by John Paragon, who was a writer and actor in The Groundlings. So that's how all Mm -hmm. these guys got to know each other. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Because it was um, like Pee Wee was like a stage show first.
1: Yeah, it was a stage show and he and they were all they were all improv people together. <laughs> so you know. So the, the deal with Jombie is that he's a citizen of the playhouse. He lives in a bejeweled box. And if somebody in the playhouse says, I wish so and so, once per show Jombie will come out, say wish, and someone say wish, and he will grant one wish. And it's usually thematically related to the episode. Uh, the rule is actually one wish per show. So oh. like, in, on an episode, uh, Pee-wee said he didn't know what to, he wanted to wish for, so he wished he knew what to wish for. <laughs> Jombie granted the wish, but then Pee-wee had used up his wish.
0: That's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> so he couldn't wish for the thing he wanted to wish for. And they had to get magic screen involved to replay the event. And Pee-wee felt taken advantage of. This is from, <laughs> this is from a wiki, which just made me die laughing. And then also the rules of Jombie is that peewee can transfer his wish to another person so one time cowboy curtis wished to replace his boots that were old and worn out and peewee learns the lesson that sometimes it is good to give away a wish to others to be generous That's cute. when you were when you were blessed with riches and wishes
0: i like how jambi is kind of Smarmy. I like how at the he end, is. I like at the end when he does his stuff, he's, he says like long live John. <laughs>
1: Your wishes granted. Long live John. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, we just gotta, we, we, we just gotta show some love for John Right. And then I'll, I'll close this off with a, <laughs> this is from the same wiki, which just made me die laughing. They gathered a list of his likes and dislikes. Okay. So John likes are soup. <laughs> Reba, the male lady, <laughs> Dr. Jenga, Jenga and going in the magic screen. And his dislikes are his allergy to dogs, people screaming in his face, being sick with the wish flu, and headhunters.
0: Headhunters. <laughs> oh, he has a disembodied head. I guess, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> it
1: makes you very coveted That's among so that That's so
0: funny. Group. Wow. Jambi, you must have a green thumb. Among other things.
1: Number
0: seven. Okay, I'm also going to start with a classic. I'm going to pick a genie from Aladdin, but it's not the blue one. This is Jafar, who was transformed into a terrifying red genie at the end of the first Aladdin movie.
1: Okay. And, w- you, and it's always more fun to talk about the evil character anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and actually, I was going to talk about that point, too. Um, you know, I remember a lot about Disney's Aladdin. We were saturated with Aladdin stuff around 1992. We live in world that is like full of niche media now, but at the time... The synergy was out of control when a new Disney movie came out. Uh, here was the places it showed up. You've got the movie, video games, school parties. Uh your chorus program. Your
1: chorus program. And that was a big you,
0: one, the chorus program. And then
1: once they spl- they splurged on that sheet music even several <laughs> years <laughs> later, that's right. Your band concert. Because I remember playing you ain't never had a friend like me in some like yeah. county honors band performance several years later. Oh,
0: boy, you know they arranged those parts simpler. That's funny.
1: <laughs> well, this was honors band Will, so
0: that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Lots of awkward middle school whole new world duets. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
0: that oh, is uh, so school funny. School dances. School dances. <gasps> school
1: dances. Yeah. Uh,
0: birthday cakes. Um, oh, by the way, the real sheet music thing I went to an honor band performance and we played a crappy arrangement of Chicago's 25 or 6 to 4. And I was dying to have the trumpet part. And I wanted it so bad because me and my dad love Chicago. And uh, so I asked the band director, "Words, can I have the sheet music?" He's like, "I don't know. I think they're like originals. Like I tell you what, if you can find one that looks like a copy, you can take it." And in my head, I'm thinking, "I am just going to take it." And I got definitely not a copy, but
1: yeah. <laughs> you. So you got one of the fancy ones that were printed on the paper that like the sides they were folded and like it wouldn't come yeah, apart. Exactly. Yeah. You got one of the expensive ones. Band directors treated those like golden <laughs> objects. It's like, don't lose the sheet music. This is expensive. We paid for it. Like, they are always talking about that sheet music. Why did he just make you a copy? I don't
0: know. Did he not
1: have access to a mimeograph in honors band? There was a
0: lot of weird... Uh, I, I can't... I can't go to the danger. There was a lot of weird honors band directors that would try to give you life lessons. It was very odd. Oh, also, sitcoms. Remember... <laughs> Sorry, Remember yes. Steve from Full House was the voice of Aladdin.
1: He was. And
0: then also... Uh, in one of the episodes of Playhouse, Jesse and the Rippers or Jesse did like an Aladdin rap. Remember when they were trying to get oh. him uh to be a big pop star and they're trying to show like all the things the producers wanted him to do? So yeah. it was Aladdin was in your it face.
1: It was all over the place. It really was. And your heart is gonna hang. How long? Forever. You're the chess man.
0: Okay, so you remember a lot about the plot of the movies because of this. Do you remember the Jafar genie, either how he looked or how it happened? I
1: don't. No, can I tell you? I don't think I've ever seen Aladdin. Oh, really? But I feel very familiar with it because of all of the aforementioned reasons.
0: Well, uh, in the course of the movie, Jafar, who is the vizier to the sultan, and you know he's up to tricks, and Iago, who is Gilbert Godfrey, and he's great as his little parrot psychic, um, Jafar gets the lamp, The first wish is he wishes to be the Sultan. The second one is he wishes to be a gigantic cobra, which was really cool. (laughs) Yes. Um, But he can still talk and hang out with the parrot and stuff. But then, um, and this is very much like the old Arabian Nights story, the twist at the end is that Aladdin says, well, you may be the giant cobra, but the genie will always be more powerful. And he goes, that's right. And he wishes to be a genie. And so instead of the wispy blue Robin Williams genie, Jafar inflates into this absolutely ripped red genie with demon eyes and a topknot, and he starts conjuring, like, atomic power. Like, he starts doing this little... uh hadouken ball, uh, ball in his hand it's got the, the atomic spinning uh particles and stuff and he's like i have all the power in the universe and then, the,
1: and then they had would be like calm down jafar you don't okay you have rules as a genie you have to follow
0: well that's exactly right you and know. your favorite thing god this is so hard to explain to somebody but when aladdin basically tells him what the twist is he does the voice that you love to do when it's like a kid from the 90s feeling smart. It's kind of like Millhouse, and he says, uh, not so fast, Jafar. How do you think he says it?
1: Not so fast, Jafar.
0: That's 100% how he says okay. it. There that's was something about
1: <laughs> not so fast, Jafar. Not so fast, Jafar. <laughs> there was
0: something about like teens in the 90s who talk like that not so, fast, Jafar. not
1: so fast Jafar
0: it's like a ninja turtle or something I don't know it's yeah, a strange it's a point to make that. but I caught my ear when I heard it I was like that's so funny so anyway that's what happens it only lasted for like two minutes but this is the most exciting part of the movie and we hardly ever see the red genie form um, in uh, like the video games or, or anything like that but it was so cool and you were making the point earlier that we love the villains more um, and I was thinking about that. I actually saw some, this is going around on Twitter a little bit lately about how, uh, people getting tired of, uh, villain stories more than the hero stories and like, okay, but I think the reason I get behind villain stories more is because hero stories are often about like surviving the incident or like a short term gain, but bad guys are building something even if it's bad they're like working on a plan <laughs> and they've been working for a long time
1: yeah yeah. heroes uh, are reactive yeah villains are proactive yeah we be, should all learn from they've been
0: for years on a death ray but it's hard not to be sympathetic by the person working hardest in the story and there's, there's
1: that's uh, true yeah, and they have a reason to feel put upon.
0: And, uh, you know what? I was reading that in the original script, uh, there was more about Jafar's background where he was a, a street urchin like Aladdin, and that's why he's so power-hungry, and he had worked so hard to become vizier to the sultan. Yeah, and
1: started from the bottom, now we're here. That's
0: exactly right. And so it's kind of sad because... This kind of would have been fun if he'd been stopped at the second wish. Second wish was pretty good. The giant snake.
1: Yeah. Man, just he's the chill, sultan. Just chill with that. Yeah. But of course, our genie tales must always be didactic. We have to learn something. Yeah. And he learned about being power hungry.
0: You know who else learned something was Patrick Stewart, who was originally offered the voice of Jafar.
1: Oh, that would have been good. He
0: couldn't do it because of scheduling conflict, I guess because of TNG. Um, but I would have loved to hear him talk about the parrot and be like, must confer with the <laughs> <laughs> It would have been good. Not so
1: fast Jafar.
0: Number six Is he not everything I said he was, master? And less. You're not going out with him. Oh, but why not? Because he's, because he's got shifty eyes and he's a hand kisser. how did he find you anyway? Oh, I gave him my address. You what?
1: Enjoy your football game, master. I'm so pleased that you are not the jealous type. <laughs> I think that I'm in love. All right, I feel like I would be remiss if I were not to mention the glamorous, the beautiful Barbara Eden as Jeannie from I Dream of Jeannie, the 1965 television show. Okay. Okay. Now, I do... I. We got to talk about her because otherwise it's going to be a real dude fest, first of all. And she's probably the number one person that you think of when you're like, genies in Western culture. Like, who is one? It would be her. She would be one of the first Mm -hmm. ones you would come up with. And I decided, like, okay, I know that the show maybe doesn't live on in, in popular memory as like being this groundbreaking feminist show because she played a subservient genie who was happy to serve her master. And people were like, it's a male power fantasy. And they were saying all this, you know, like some people make that argument and that's fine. You A text is a text and you are fit to interpret it in the way that you see fit. Okay, it's
0: fine. but uh, master was not getting off too easy because as I remember, uh, mother-in-law was part of that living arrangement.
1: <laughs> well, there was there? Maybe,
0: or maybe I'm thinking about Bewitched.
1: Maybe there definitely was a mother. Uh, okay, of I don't
0: remember, but that's coming. <laughs> Jeannie's mother is coming.
1: They do eventually get married. <laughs> they and she does have a sister for sure. Okay, okay, one that there is a sister. So, but like you said, he doesn't get away with it like cleanly because, of course, as part of her powers, she's always goofing up, and. When we talked about Bewitched, which was popular right at the exact same time, it hit a little bit first. And then they were like, wow, it's a smash. Maybe we should put some more dames on TV, right? When we talked about Bewitched on the... I guess it was the Witches show? I did some digging and i made the argument that bewitched was more subversive than you would think it was and i think i could make the same one for i dream of Jeannie* too um so this is right around the same time this is the exact year that betty for wrote the feminine mystique and we're about to blow the lid off of the respectable housewife uh <laughs> lifestyle this is actually, if you think about it, the very exact same premise as Bewitched, in which there is a woman with magical powers and the man in her life who is like desperately trying to keep a lid on it uh-huh. in one way or another. And mostly he doesn't want to be embarrassed, you know, just, just uh-huh. for like for like, it's socially Always the boss is
0: coming over for dinner. Yeah,
1: it's always the boss is coming over for dinner, like, you know, uh... I need to take an astronaut test or like what, yeah. whatever the case may be. But there's always there but there's something to that. It's the very fact that Jeannie's happy to serve, but she's also obligated to grant wishes by dint of being a genie. The reason why I think this is important is because Kind of once you point out the boundaries of the social contract, you can kind of erode them. You know what I uh-huh, mean? Okay. So it's just kind of like someone's obligated to grant your wishes, but you're not really in control of them. You know, and I think the show goes does show that like plenty of times. There are plenty of times where she grants a wish, and something gets messed up, and then he is desperately turning to her to like fix it because ultimately she's the one who holds the power because of the magic. But um. Yeah, like I don't know. It's it's a goofy show. It's a fun little show, and a lot of people who came of age um, in like the '70s started seeing this on reruns. Like you know, this was in reruns basically from the time it existed until even in our day, uh-huh. right? I remember this being on in reruns, and um, I think a lot of a lot of women say that they felt empowered by Jeannie. Like, they, they thought she was a great role model because she was confident, she was brash. She got and, to
0: wear a different kind of clothes.
1: Yeah. She puffy to, pants. She and... had a puffy pants. She got to show her belly. She got to do what she wanted to within reason. And also just, she had sort of like a really flippant attitude toward all of the social norms. And whenever, um, oh God, whatever the dude's name was, Tony... <laughs> she would always just have tony explain why something was important which is another thing similar to what i was talking about about when you point out the the boundaries of the social contract you sort of see how arbitrary they are and he's like well i have to watch the football game and she you know like you have to exp- if the more you turn to someone who is talking about something inevitable and natural and say explain it to me why do you have to do that then that's how those things start to crumble
0: okay you start to question them yeah you have to make them say it out loud that's
1: yeah and she sort of had just like a real flippant attitude about all of the stuff that he thought was so important well
0: uh can you remind me was her lamp found on the moon
1: okay he crash landed he was going to space he was an astronaut it wasn't the moon, but he crash landed on like a remote Pacific island.
0: But he was, was he and Darren both astronauts? Was, wait, was Darren an astronaut? I or, don't know. Or he's just married to a witch. I can't remember. <laughs> an astronaut named Tony Nelson went up on a space mission.
1: He was an advertising executive. Uh-oh. No, so I, I think Okay, it's, it's
0: just just Tony. Okay. <laughs>
1: Says Tony, he has an astronaut test.
0: I was hoping he found her on the moon, like she was like an alien. I really like well, that I'm idea. Very sorry. If I do a movie about it, she's on the moon. <laughs> well,
1: you know what? I think if you did a that movie, movie about it, the moon would
0: have sands and stuff, it'd be great.
1: It would be great, and then we could get away from this whole Orientalist trope. Because this one, yeah, I think you could argue, is like a um, it's it's a weird assimilationist tale in a way. I have seen it argued because it's like you know she has to become a completely normal white middle-class housewife even though they, they didn't get married to like season five <laughs> but uh i think nowadays you probably would have her come from the moon she has moon powers so when we write our spec script for a bewitched reboot let's put that in there
0: okay dream the genie reboot <laughs>
1: <laughs> it has got it mixed up too
0: and there's probably a transformer in there
1: when we write the reboot of Transformers Meets of Genie,
0: ...where he found a bottle. At least it looked like a bottle. But it didn't
1: act like a bottle.
0: Number five! No! By all the names of God, this is not what I wanted! Then wish it away, exalted one. Wish it away.
1: Stop! No one wishes. I beg your majesty, silence. But my poor people... I must. Do you wish their fate on the entire world? No more wishes, please. I want you, without hold your tongue. One more wish is all this creature needs.
0: This pick is the closest we'll get to a djinn and not a genie. But we, you and I, discussed, they took so many liberties with this movie and it involves wishes. So we're going to call it a genie, even though it's a djinn. This is the djinn from 1997's Wishmaster.
1: Yay! Horror genie!
0: (laughs) If I had to describe this movie to someone, I'd say it was an 80s slasher movie, but everyone dressed like the 90s. It was almost exactly just an 80s slasher movie, I think.
1: It was definitely, I mean, it was definitely that Wes Craven, you know... Kind of, kind of. Yeah, it did not
0: feel updated ten years from that. It did not,
1: which I actually kind of appreciate, I guess, because if you do, do you want that to be a '90s film where Uh they're like, where they have to do a gag about somebody's car phone? I, I don't know. Somebody did yeah.
0: ask to borrow a phone in the movie, which was very odd to see because oh, that yeah. doesn't happen now. That's very odd to not have a phone. Yeah. Um, so we, you and I watched this last night, actually. We watched three genie things all together. Uh, I'll do my best to explain the plot because the script was challenging. Um, an <laughs> ancient djinn is released from a jewel, and he tries to claim the soul of the lady who released him, but making her run through all her wishes... Because when you pick a third wish, the jinn gets to release his fellow evil djinn upon the earth.
1: Yeah, that was the basic premise. And you ha- you
0: have Okay, you're going to have some questions.
1: You're going to have some questions. And I do remember we did not think it was off to an auspicious start when in the opening sequence where they showed the ancient power of the evil genie, I was like is that the guy who just made the wish who was unleashing the the problems here? Because there wasn't an establishing shot of the guy making the wish. No,
0: it was hard to tell whose you point of like, view we had.
1: What, what was, did he do that? And we were very confused.
0: Uh, so one of the questions I had was, does this happen if anyone has a third wish or just this lady? I, I think would, it's just
1: the person who awakens the genie. They okay. did explain that. They did explain that.
0: Okay. And was he the devil? I don't know.
1: He was... Maybe a little bit the devil. Very much devil adjacent. Okay. Okay. So
0: you mentioned this. The other thing about this movie is that it was a Wes Craven produced movie, and all the big slasher monster actors make cameos or have roles like Robert England and then the Jason guy and Tony Todd, Candyman. Yeah. So that was kind of fun to see.
1: Yeah, that was fun to see. And I, this was not a bad movie, was no, it? It really wasn't. No.
0: Uh, but But the other actors, we could not tell apart. We were saying it was like everyone was a poor man's somebody else. Like, the main lady was a mashup of every 90s lady. It was Jerry Ryan, Claire Danes, and who else? Taylor Leone. Taylor Leone. Um, there were like two Josh boyfriend guys we could not tell apart. It
1: took us a while to figure out. So, w- there's a plot point in which the evil genie man... Can adapt human bodies or faces from someone whose face he literally takes, and for a minute, I thought he had taken the face of one of the Joshes of one of the, of, one of, the bo- of her tragic boyfriend. And I'm like, oh no, it's just it's another just some guy. It's just another brown haired '90s it's man. It's just
0: a '90s man. I and couldn't then the, tell. And then the pawn shop owner and the appraisal shop owner, I thought were the same. Like I couldn't. It was very weird. And also, that folklore lady was like a. You say she's like a.
1: She was a poor man, Shirley MacLaine, yeah. with Liz Taylor's haircut.
0: <laughs> okay, but Wishmaster is she a. She was G- good
1: though. I, I yeah, don't mean to fine. be rude. She was. They were good. Everyone was good.
0: Uh, but the Wishmaster is a Jin and when he's summoned, he comes out as a slime baby. But he grants a tricky, deadly wish and gets more powerful. And that's when he first gets the form of a man. And then Rebecca immediately says, "Look at his butt." <laughs>
1: Okay, his butt was very prominent And it was very very, Slimy haunches He had very high buttocks And they were slimy
0: Okay, whenever a monster is naked The first order of business is What's the front situation? No, what's the front situation? (laughs) That's immediately what I'm thinking Like, is it going to be like a Ken doll or are they just gonna hide it? What are we, what's gonna happen with this? Yeah,
1: we well, you gotta I'm you gotta tuck that away in your mind neatly so you know you know like what are we what are we doing? Yeah, I'm here?
0: anxious until I know how they're gonna handle it.
1: It's like okay, will he have a tattered loincloth? And the answer is probably
0: yeah. And as I recall, um, we did not get an answer to it. He just had his back to us when he didn't have clothes. No,
1: and he got some he got some clothes real quick.
0: Too. Yeah, um, he, and he, he
1: found a robe.
0: And when he got powerful enough to get, like get a... Form. He just sort of looked like um, 90s rubber monster, like Babylon 5 aliens or like the bad guy from the mask or something like that. He was sort of leprechaun y sort of of like, okay. Um, So the thing about the Wish Master Jen is that they lead you to believe throughout the movie that if you ask the Wish in a clever enough way, you can beat him, which is what happens. But he can always twist it. You can't win. And he really shouldn't have been beaten because he can just. You know, yeah he
1: could have just done add a anything little,
0: yeah add a little clause on the end like you know she's like i wish you would go away he's like wish you would go away and then come back and kill you you know <laughs> right. like it just didn't say anything
1: yeah, yeah the Wishmaster just seemed like he was taking a lot of liberties I with know. wishes
0: so uh they do go through pains to like establish him as a jin because they kept really leaning on how he was a ancient creature and wanted to make him like a historical thing. And they kept saying he came from like a pre-Islamic statue and all this, all this stuff. So it was interesting in that regard. And it was an okay movie and it had some like kind of interesting deaths because as you would imagine, everybody's wish he turns into a creative way to kill them or whatever. (laughs) Um, Other highlight, was at the police station when there was some bedlam somebody says somebody get some cuffs over here which I thought was funny like you're the police no police officer has handcuffs on them right now
1: somebody get some cuffs over here that was
0: somebody's ad-lib line in the back made me laugh
1: Uh, he was like yes nailed it careful what you wish for
0: number four
1: Alright, my next pick is a Twilight Zone genie, because there is more than one, and okay. <laughs> it did come up a lot. But this is, an excuse to spoiler from a show from 1963, but this is George Hanley from the episode entitled I Dream of Genie. This was a okay. season four episode. Alright, now the premise of this one, because I'm going to tell you the premise and the twist, because, come on, guys, it's, I can spoil the Twilight Zone, okay? You have had how many years to watch it? and if you're alive since since 1963 you've had all the years of your life to watch it so we're just gonna we're just gonna do it okay so this is a this is a fun take on the trope i think because this story is about a real meek dorky dude named george hanley who blah 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 stumbles onto a magic lamp blah 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 and he is someone who was like very much overlooked at work uh not really like uh getting the attention of the woman he's interested in, et cetera, et cetera, he gets the lamp out comes the smarmy sophisticated genie and um before he commits to making his wish, George Hanley. Undergoes like a a series of extended dream sequences where he imagines how the t- wish could backfire. Because okay. if you are an anxious nerdy person, uh-huh. you're gonna do that. Oh, that
0: is interesting. You hadn't seen that before. Is exactly. that he's overly concerned about it yeah
1: he's overly concerned about it and so he has these extended dream sequences in one of them he was like okay well what if i wish that i'm married to a movie star and you know this is going to be great but then he imagines all the ways that he gets like cuckolded by like the male co-stars and how like his wife is this terrible vain shrew who doesn't want anything to do with him because all she cares about is her fame and her beauty
0: make up georgie
1: and it's like, well, that's a little harsh, but George, you ain't wrong. You know, that could happen. If you say Mary to a movie star, that might happen. Okay, fair enough. He dreams then about what if he had a lot of money. And then so he becomes like a super wealthy tycoon, but then soon realizes that it would grow boring to have more money than you knew what to do with. Like you would just get bored of Trying to give it away and trying to do stuff with it, and ultimately, it's like any other drug. Mentally, it can't stay stimulating for too long. Okay. I mean, I'm sure Jeff Bezos has to like hunt humans for sport on an island to get that dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. So, so George Hanley has this all figured out. So he's like, okay, I don't want to do that. And then he's like, well, maybe I want to be the president, which is, of course, a great narcissist dream. <laughs> um, uh, and he realizes in his fantasy that. He's going to be plagued by indecision because in his fantasy, there's like an international UFO crisis and he has to solve it, but he can't. Right. And so what this all tells him is that he is incapable as the person that he is now of appreciating any sort of wealth and wishes or, you know, any of that wildest dream stuff. And he realizes that that stuff is not going to fix anything and what he needs to fix instead is his identity and who he is. Oh. So the twist is he wishes to become the genie. Oh. And then he's like, loving it.
0: I haven't uh, heard this genie story like that before. Yeah, it's clever.
1: Again, the Twilight Zone, just killing it all the time. It's amazing writing. How, what does he
0: look like as the genie?
1: He does get the whole get up. And he's actually, I left you a clip, like a, a marker in my document, so you can see. But he gets the whole getup and listen to this. His dog gets a little genie hat too. Oh, his dog gets to be a genie with him, which I love. And I'm gonna do with my dog. Not really. I wouldn't want to be a genie, but he does, and he did great. So anyway, examine what it is about wishes coming true that are going. Like what are, what is it that they're gonna fulfill for you? And there might be a void inside yourself that can't be fulfilled with material goods. So just think about that. But a man wise enough to decide on a most extraordinary wish that makes him the contented, permanent master of his own altruistic
0: twilight zone. Number three. This genie can stop time, give you unlimited lives, or keep you big forever. It's a product from the Galoob Company. It is the amazing Game Genie. Game over? No way! Because we got Game Genie. We tell you when it's over. With Game Genie, I decide how many lives I get. I use it when I want to live forever. Play to the end and win. Maybe I want to start on level 15. No
1: problem.
0: Rebecca, please explain to young people what a Game Genie is.
1: Okay, young people. There weren't ch- cheats that you could do in a game... The way a cartridge just come out of the box, you have to just put the game in your game box and then play the game according to the rules Someone of the game did, maker. Some of them would have cheats. Oh, that's but, true.
0: But there wasn't as but, much... But
1: you didn't know what yeah. they were necessarily, and then it, it, you could not necessarily just know the cheats. They were the cheat. yeah, like you, and you wouldn't have maybe heard of, from them unless you had a cool kid that you knew who knew all the cheats. <laughs> okay, so... What you would do is you get this. <laughs> did little, you ever
0: play on a game genie? I did. Okay. Somebody I know
1: had one, and I can't. It wasn't me, and it wasn't. Maybe it was my cousin, Spencer. I don't remember. It's not important who had a game genie. I did play on a game genie at some point. Now, much like George Hanley in our last story, I grew bored with the wealth of, of options uh, okay. before me. But what you would do is you get this little contraption, and it fit over the cartridge, yeah. and it like appended itself to the game cartridge and then you would put it on and put it into your Nintendo and it would have magical powers. And then I don't know how it worked and I still don't know how it <laughs> worked. <laughs> but Well
0: you you made a good point that uh before like patching and ubiquitous save features for like uh new generation consoles, we were at the mercy of however a game was programmed and shipped out, even if they had some Uh, pre-programmed cheats that you could use. And the point of a lot of games at the time was just not to die. Yes,
1: which got stressful. So you
0: got a lot of platform games. So Galoob made this product that was pretty much like a ROM hack or something that changes the source code to let you manipulate stuff in the game. And so you could do things that weren't necessarily uh, intended for you to be able to do. So, for example... Um, they gave you codes you could put into the Game Genie screen uh, that you could use for games like Mario Three to like stay big all the time, or Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: To- I remember the, one of the ones for Mario Three was like f- Eternal Flight, like okay. you could just fly the whole time.
0: Okay, uh, and then they and they had some funny commercials because it was such a such a revelation at the time. They had some funny commercials where like these. Terrible Bill and Ted knockoff teens were pretty much explaining to you how it worked in the commercial. Which they
1: kind of needed to. I know. I'm still not sure how it works. <laughs> I mean, you know. touch it to most of your video games, like Double Dragon 2, Super Mario Bros. 3, and buckle up, because you'll do what no video dude has done before. You can go to any level, get unlimited lives, live forever, like a video zombie. Excellent.
0: Sega loved these guys. And they worked with them and collaborated on a lot of codes and stuff you could use for video games. Uh, but Nintendo hated them.
1: I can imagine that because Nintendo has always had a very, very pure vision about mm-hmm. what their gameplay is supposed to be like. That's
0: right. Well, from, from what I understand, Japanese craftsmen are big on carefully considered design. And it's like letting people doodle on your painting or put ketchup on your four-star meal if you let them customize it. Like, Did,
1: was there any, ever any court action about the yes, Game Yes, there genie? was. I can imagine that there was. And I,
0: from what I remember reading... It's a, it could
1: be argued that it's a derivative word.
0: That's exactly what they argued.
1: Ooh, I should have gone into law.
0: <laughs> that is exactly what they argued. And in North America, they were successful. Um, I, and they've had some restrictions, if I remember correctly. But in Canada, they uh, didn't get with it.
1: The lawless land of Game <laughs>
0: <genies>. <laughs> right. Uh, but Right. Uh, but Sega went right open with it. And so it was kind of interesting. Uh, you could put in your own random code to see if it would do something without knowing what it would do. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, there they were ones you knew at work, but you could try oh, stuff so you out. Are
1: making wishes. And, yeah. Making wishes and, to your game genie. And
0: I think it was kind of like, from what I understand, like controlling the binary commands, like toggling things on and off with unexpected results. And I remember there was a command you could put in in Sonic that would let you go into a debug mode like the programmers would use. And um, you could turn into any object in the game and move around anywhere on the map. And while I usually fall into the Nintendo camp where I like creativity from elegant rules more than iteration, I think that's that's a lot cooler... In this case, I can tell you, I got to appreciate games in a way I never would have otherwise without the Game Genie. Because I just wouldn't have seen them. Like the Sonic one, I never, I just couldn't beat it. And so...
1: Yeah, like you didn't have a lot of time where you could just like wander around and see Toe Jam and Earl, I never would have beat.
0: Yeah. so uh it was it was kind of interesting for this way but but like uh but like a genie's wishes uh they can be unpredictable and dangerous if you put in weird source code stuff randomly you could risk glitches and things getting messed up in the game um it was a little fragile when you would do it and I was also thinking about the uh branding for it I have to believe that the branding the genie title had to be because of the Huge popularity of Aladdin at the time. They would have oh, come yeah. out right at the same time, and Prince of Persia and all that kind of stuff.
1: That was right around. Did that pre? It predated Aladdin a little bit, didn't it, or did it? Nineteen
0: ninety. Oh, so it actually
1: predated okay. Aladdin just a little bit. Oh, how
0: interesting. So, so j- they're just something in the zeitgeist there, and it wasn't the movie first. Interesting.
1: Yeah. No, I'm shocked. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Well, well here's the game genie and its unlimited wishes. It did not survive later console generations, but we do get the spirit of it and like hacks and patches and stuff now. Go to any level,
1: jump higher, stay bigger, live forever.
0: Game Genie, the radical video game answer from Galoo. Number two.
1: Hey, dare to wake me. Now. Are you like really lonely or something?
0: A kid who never asked for anything but trouble.
1: Make you be wishing that I'm out of your face.
0: Such you a Psychopathic dork in the basement. I don't think you're ordering anybody. Has inherited a genie. Who just won't get out of his life. You gotta want something,
1: kid. Then I wish I had junk food from the the sky. Closing in on the number one, but not quite. <laughs> I gotta give you my number one pick. or okay. My top pick, which is our number two pick. And that is... Kazam, oh. the title character of the 1996 film, starring Shaquille O'Neal as a rapping genie.
0: I mean, I knew it was coming, but I forgot that this was happening. So,
1: <laughs> so here's the thing: in '96, I would not have seen Kazam. Why? You know, like I was definitely too grown for that, right? And I feel like a lot of people misremember. First of all, the existence of Kazam. Mm-hmm. They think it was a movie starring Sinbad called Shazam, which did not exist.
0: But people- <laughs> I would have watched it. I, know, I love I Sinbad. Okay. I think he's so funny. We he's love, very good on his feet.
1: We love Sinbad in this house. And Sinbad the sailor and Sinbad yeah. of, of sass comedy fame. <laughs> but uh, no, that was not it. Although Sinbad did play a genie in a Nickelodeon sketch. Oh. And that's why people misremember that. Okay, But okay, all right. So I wouldn't have been the target demo for Kazam, and that's fine. Because I watched it yesterday, and I was very shocked to learn that I love the movie Kazam. It was really good. It was
0: pretty pretty cute. It really was.
1: (laughs) Okay, here are some points of surprise. Now, you're on IMDb, and you read a synopsis that says Shaquille O'Neal plays a rapping genie. Now, you're thinking... There's going to be a lot of non diegetic rapping that the genie does from the get go in the film. Like he comes out of the box and he's like, My name is Sam, and I'm here to stay. Yeah, I would say he's I'm not. I'm going to grant Mitch is in a major way. I'm, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 a, I'm
0: saying he's, he's not rapping so much as, as he's rhyming.
1: Yeah, his natural rhyming abilities and the fact that he was trapped in a boombox. I think are the things that made him have a rap career because it is actually a plot point in the movie Kazam that the genie gets to have a rap career yeah he, he has develops his, own... his career in the in the movie and that's not even what the main plot is about and that's what it's hilarious If you want to be number one I'm sorry boy that's been done. But if you got the itches for a sack of riches, don't matter how
0: avaricious, I'm the man that could grant your wishes.
1: So, so, the plot of Kazam is that there is a boy who is troubled, 11 year old or so kid, played by the adorable Francis Capra, who will go on to play Weevil in Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. And, but he, I mean, he was just this great kid actor. So, he's playing this troubled kid. Parents are divorced, dad is some big snooty music executive who wants nothing to do with his kid, hasn't even seen him since he was two, and his mom's about to marry a sweet but clueless New York City firefighter <laughs> who is good-hearted, but it's just like, you know, you can't get over that wound of, of not having your father care about you. That is a wound that hurts, okay? Enter Kazam. And the kid, Max, he wants nothing to do with Kazam because it's embarrassing. And he's like, what are you even doing? I don't even know what you're doing here, Kazam. Go start a rap career. And he does. But then... They get to, of course, have this wonderful bonding experience in a father-son type of way. But then also, at the same time, Max gets to work on improving his relationship with his real father and his soon-to-be stepfather. So this is a really beautiful little tale about fatherhood. They do cover a
0: lot of ground.
1: They do. And little Francis Capra was adorable. He was like... So good. And I also think that all of y'all are just assuming that Shaq is not a good actor. I and mean, you know what? He does just fine. And they have good <laughs> chemistry. And it's a very sweet story. And there was parts that I actually laughed out loud. And I'm yeah. not even exaggerating. There were
0: a, there were some some pretty good pretty good lines in there.
1: Spontaneous. You can't contain this. I am Kazam. I'm really happy for you. Okay, so like go watch Kazam because it will make your life better.
0: I did like how they let him do a little bit of karate in it because well we you know Shaq likes his martial arts. I think that's really, really good. Yes. Shaq's funny. Like he knows what's funny and he's not afraid to uh uh commit or embarrass himself which helps a lot
1: that's that's correct the camera loves him as i read on a <laughs> website that would not go so far as to say that he was a good actor
0: the camera loves him. that is very but it's true. very clever that is the best true
1: but and it is true and you know what i'm not even gonna like condescend to be like the camera loves him but he's not a good actor you know what acting is not a skill i don't care. you put anybody in front of a camera and say like say these lines you know you're a if you can Cole teach minor. somebody
0: not to try, they can do a good job. Yeah,
1: anybody can act. It's not a skill. I'm I remember,
0: sorry. Uh, you may think he's obnoxious or whatever. But I but uh, Larry David's talked about that before. He's like, it's like
1: it's not hard. Act just it's not have hard. a show about being yourself. Yeah, I'm just kidding.
0: I, I kind of agree with. I him. don't like
1: Larry David, but I do agree with him. Here. I like him, <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree with him here. But anyway, yeah. Shaq, a perfectly respectable actor, a good performance, yeah. a solid. Family delight. And, like, you get to see all kinds of people at, like, a rap club in the middle of the day dancing to <laughs> new Jack Swing beats and songs that are unlike yeah, any some rap. Yeah,
0: sometimes um, Shaq's uh, rapping at his concerts, at the Genie's rap concerts, get interrupted by having to grant wishes. That's yeah, funny, too. Yeah,
1: this is some drama. There's drama and there's conflict. It's a really sweet story. So go watch Kazam. You realize who I am? I'm your genie. In that case, I wish I was as big as you, but not so stupid. That's not a wish. That's an insult.
0: Honorable Mentions. For Honorable Mentions, uh, we discussed that the one both of us almost picked, but sort of hard to talk about, was Bartimus from the Bartimaeus Sequence books.
1: Yes, and those are great books. Okay? Those are really good books. Don't let the YA label ah, deter you from reading books. They
0: aren't YA. It's only YA because they have young protagonists. Young but, protagonists. but he's treated like an adult would see a kid. It's not like they treat the kid like we're romanticizing being a teenager. It's definitely exactly. an adult's perspective and an adult's like level of writing. It's very good.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to say don't sleep on YA just because they don't describe titties and people aren't aren't having sex with each other and why you know what i mean like it's okay like the hobbit is definitely YA technically the entire lord of the rings trilogy is YA oh
0: interesting yeah i mean
1: you know technically frodo was a young protest mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's a young person yeah it's hard
0: to explain the the uh, bartimus but the uh, bartimus books you know like when you hear it you might think the premise is sort of harry potterish but it's it's almost sort of like um neil gaiman but less Precious,
1: yeah. uh, it's really good. Neil Gaiman, if he did, if he weren't pleased with himself, yeah,
0: it's they're really good. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed quite a lot. No, so anyway, I enjoy those quite but a lot. He's a he's a Jen, uh, The the character Barnes is a gin and he gets summoned, and he's very funny and uh, likes tormenting who summons him but ends up having to work with the kid who summons him it's pretty cool
1: yeah yeah i really enjoyed that and i i ripped off a whole lot of that lore for Kurtle holler but that's okay just with a couple of minor characters just the whole being summoned oh thing. sure sure yeah that sure. totally ripped it off from barnabas it's fine you're like don't tell anybody
0: no it's great I, I really like those books
1: yeah the only other thing i had to add to that is this is not even real but um because he gets trapped in an urn sometimes you think the undertaker could be considered oh, that's funny. Not really. But if you rubbed the urn and the Undertaker came out, he's kind of a genie. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe maybe Kane is a better example because he's from fire. So
1: so Kane, who is now currently the county mayor of my home county, <laughs> could count as a genie.
0: I almost picked uh, Mr. McPicklick, Mix- the old Superman villain who's sort of like a, a trickster uh, god from the fifth dimension. I think you could make an argument there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So who is your number one genie? Number one!
0: The number one genie, the strangest genie of all of these, is desperate for a vacation with all his pals. This is Janine's genie from the 1986 Ghostbusters episode of the same name. It's that old brass lamp of Janine's. My lamp? What? When I released the genie, I must have released all those ghosts too.
1: Little genie? Yeah. But don't worry, I'll fix this in a jiffy. A jiffy? Now, as surprised as I am to see a Ghostbusters pick make the number one pick, I am also not surprised because I did watch this episode with you last night. And it was amazing. It was really good. it was really really cute. It was really good. I
0: mean, uh, I I like Ghostbusters episodes anyway, but among Ghostbusters episodes, this was a particularly good one that I had not seen before and or at least had no memory of. Uh, Tell me if I have this right. So Janine begs to go on a call with the Ghostbusters. So she does, they let her go and she helps them bust some ghosts. And immediately the antiquarian who called them is all, I don't have money to offer, but I do course, have.
1: But I do have. Here comes a bull- It was like, take a pick, take pick from among my junk. Yeah, and you know how much that like has that. to
0: happen? That is so funny. Yes. Here it comes. So Janine buys an old lamp and everybody in the car is laughing at her, but she wishes she were the boss of the Ghostbusters and then a genie pops out.
1: Yeah, and he makes it happen. You called? Yes! For my third and final wish, I want all these ghosts to return to the lamp immediately.
0: Forget it, lady. But, but you promised me three wishes. I lied. Yeah, so this guy is such a great design. He has such like a wild, distinct silhouette. You know, the characters are like great designs. If you could like just draw the shadow of them and it looks like something. He's a short, skinny white man. He has a huge turban goggles a hawaiian shirt shorts and flip-flops
1: which is a great look and he (laughs) has this really interesting like he's really skinny and it's got like one of those like sort of chicken bodies yeah but he's got this tremendous like double chin neck situation going on where it just it's where he just looks like he's peering down in a really smarmy Creepy way, which I love.
0: <laughs> I won't recap the whole episode, but we do see that he's not really a genie. It's just, he's a ghost and it's a ruse to get the lamp out in the open so he can help all his buddy ghosts escape so they can go on vacation.
1: Yeah, which is a totally reasonable request <laughs> outside of the chaos that they're causing.
0: Uh, and it's here uh, that we see his second form, where he turns into a giant version of himself with his horrible mouth and black eyes, and he looks like one of the titans from Attack on Titan. Yeah. He's very upsetting. And at the end, he's some kind of demon pig. Okay, so a few of the great things from this episode... Uh, Anything you specifically want to mention that, from this episode that we definitely want to talk about?
1: Well, I do like that they address that Janine doesn't just have to be the secretary and she wants to go on the calls. And the Ghostbusters are always like, chill with it. They're like, yeah, you can go. Like, you. Know. I
0: like when Janine gets to be a Ghostbuster. I do enjoy those. Yeah. She's really funny. She she is. I like her a lot. Um, okay, we have to talk about Slimer's whooping. <laughs> Okay, that was (laughs) so funny. funny. That was so funny. Peter told Slimer, do not eat my watermelon while we go. When we come back, he's like, somebody eat my watermelon. And Slimer starts laughing. And so they cut to a scene later where he has Slimer on his knee. And he's going to hurt me a lot more than you. And then you made the point that he gets a mitten so it won't hurt him. He gets like
1: an oven mitt so his whooping will be softer, which is so funny. It's just so like. It's an
0: antiquated thing now because nobody gets whoops. But it seems like almost like. We mentioned before, like a Norman Rockwell romanticized, like old timey. It
1: was, and, and he's is... like, nah, rah, rah. and it was so funny. Like, okay, I don't want. I didn't to... see it
0: coming out of no anywhere. No,
1: and it it is funny. Like it, you're right, it's very much a Norman Rockwell whooping. that's... like oh, naughty God. boy. Yeah, which is so funny because it's like again, like corporal punishment. has clearly been psychologically proven, like not a good thing. Yeah, don't whoop your child even. Like in that kind of a way Yeah like, we got
0: Symbolic spankings At my house We did not I mean every now and then But like you know When you're real You know Southern
1: can people Can I tell you A weird memory When I was Very 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 little We had a bunch of kids In our backyard For some reason Like mom uh-huh. was babysitting A bunch of kids And I threw A rubber ball Up in the air And it hit This other little kid Who was real little uh-huh. And he was upset And crying you're like, It didn't hurt him You're fine kid yeah. Whatever and I was like, well, kind of like, "Oops" or whatever. And my mom was like, "She's like, okay, I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you a whooping, so he can see that, you know, like that, that I understood oh, what funny. happened." And I was like, I can't even remember if I went along with it or if we wound up even doing it. But I remember thinking that that logic was <laughs> bogus. And I mean, the
0: indignity of his, the crazy. indignity
1: of it. I was literally maybe five years old. Maybe I was, I was five years old. But, like, isn't that funny? That is funny. And I was like, how dare you?
0: But it was funny.
1: It was funny in the show. And I never did anything in my life that deserved a warp <laughs> in. I'm just going to say that.
0: And I like how they treat Slimer like he's a little kid. Because we also see when they cut to them going on a call in the, uh, in the Ecto-1, they give Slimer his own little baby seat that's got a fake steering wheel in it so he can feel like he's driving which is really cute
1: i can see why you would like slimer because he's like the best parts of a dog and the best parts of a baby and he's a ghost yeah and he's just like this cute little funny creature i can't believe always. they gave
0: him a little steering wheel that, that was, was so very funny.
1: cute and the whooping was also funny although it shouldn't have been it's, i'm <laughs> conflicted about the whooping but it was cute
0: and then the last point i was going to make here is of group of them all together is just i was stunned by how good the set pieces were in this it wasn't like they had all these stock backgrounds they went to a lot of interesting places with like they look great like they had the uh smoky docks and stuff but then they went to an airport and then they boarded the plane and then they were in the plane cabin and uh then the uh ghosts uh had this great reveal where the stewardesses are backing out and then one of them turns around and it's a ghost face i was like oh that's so funny that was
1: great i really enjoyed the flight attendants being ghosts that was very fun
0: and then uh all the ghosts in the cabin uh, instead of like absolutely terrifying the people, they're pretty much just like jack.
1: <laughs> just like, they're
0: like tap dancing and doing like a two step on people's foreheads yeah, and they, stuff. They
1: take this guy's two off and then he boogies on the man's bald <laughs> yeah. dome. It was great. It was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly.
0: And at the end, they reverse the polarity of the lamp and the ruin the ghost vacation. Uh, it, it was just a great uh, genie design. He, he just was great. looked so cool and upsetting. He
1: he was a good he was a good horrible genie. Because again, he wasn't evil. He was just a trickster. Yeah. The genie's always going to be teaching you something. Oh. If only I could have had my third wish. Boy, I'd wish for <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, one of the things I learned about genies is that you can't win with wishes. Like, don't think, don't try to outsmart them, because they can just do whatever they want to with it.
1: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you can't, so we learned you can't outsmart a genie. And then also that your wishes won't change all your problems if you don't work on yourself first, okay? So just remember that. And I'll try to remember that next week when I'm a vex millionaire and I can't talk to any of you anymore. <laughs> just kidding.
0: Okay, well, if you have thoughts about this list or your own suggestions, email us at rumors at thewizardsknightshirt.com or, Rebecca, where can people get in contact with us?
1: Find us on Twitter at WizardsNSPod or visit thewizardsknightshirt.com. You already said that. (laughs) Um, Catch up on Colonel Holler. Uh, at CurdleHoller.com, we are currently writing season three of our original Halloween comedy series, and we're going to be shifting into Halloween mode like it's it's happening. Uh-huh. We're cranking the wheels, and we might even revive our dormant CurdleHoller Twitter account with 11 followers. So please be number 12 <laughs> if you're not already. But we do appreciate the 11 that we That's have. True. Y'all, a bunch of jabronis out there in this world, ignoring the the glory of this show. It's so good, but please jabronis please jabronis. <laughs> <laughs> no it's good Whatever. It's, it's
0: gonna it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun i think it'd be real rewarding for uh for uh, people who heard the or the first two as well so
1: we're getting halloween it's it's june and we're getting halloweeny that's how i feel
0: well thanks for listening we will see you next week when we call forth new champions
1: What you know When your own deeds feel Humble and fearful